0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, December 28, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. With just days before they expire, the Senate has reauthorized sweeping federal powers to eavesdrop on Americans' communications without a warrant. Amendments to the statute offered to shore up Americans' freedom from unwarranted searches of their records were tossed aside. Julian Sanchez, a research fellow at the Cato Institute, comments on today's vote.
1: The Senate has approved by a lopsided uh, 73 to 23 vote the reauthorization of the FISA Amendments Act. Uh, And what we saw was a a really sort of extraordinary spectacle uh, on the Senate floor uh, that really just extended a pattern we've seen uh, for several years now with uh, counterterror surveillance legislation passed in the wake of the 9-11 attacks, uh, which is to say... For months and months and months, there's a reauthorization deadline coming up. Uh, Everyone knows it. Uh, Nothing really is done. There aren't meaningful hearings. There's no real debate. And then a few days before, in this case four days before, the law is slated to expire, uh, they they essentially uh, gave in to Ron Wyden, who'd been uh, gumming things up, and allowed debate on a series of amendments, um, but then of course the totally manufactured urgency that they've created because there's no time to get the House to vote on any uh, any amendments or approve a, a changed package means that uh, forget it. Sorry, we can we can have a kind of fake debate, um, but we can't afford to uh, you know risk letting this lapse for a couple of days. Even though of course under the law uh, authorizations for surveillance program for programmatic. Uh, surveillance of international communications um you know authorizations last for a year so it's not like anything would happen uh you know it's not like there would be a gap in their ability to collect suddenly if the legislation had expired for a week or two um yet that was the rationale for saying it was, it was not really possible to seriously consider uh, the amendments that were offered um and you sort of suspect that they did this because uh, one just didn't hear any compelling arguments for why these very common sense amendments uh, couldn't, uh, you know, be added as as additional very mild checks for the most part? We um, had uh, uh, Senator Jeff Merkley offered an amendment uh, for what I thought was a pretty common sense uh, basic principle of uh, of liberal democracy, which is that there shouldn't be secret law. That the uh, the way the secret FISA court interprets the statute um, really is what determines what its scope is, what it means, what kind of surveillance is really permitted. Um, We know in a bunch of cases that uh, those courts or government lawyers have interpreted uh, some of these surveillance powers in ways that, that many senators have said would Shock someone who is just reading the, the text of the bill. So, uh, to meaningfully debate whether these surveillance powers are working or appropriate, we need to know how the court has interpreted them. To uh, to you know, uh, how, how how far uh, their scope really extends. And some
0: senators have pointed out well before this that they believe that there is a broad gulf between how these statutes are being interpreted yep. with their own understanding of. And so so of Ron answer. Wyden has
1: said about a number of. Uh, statutes that there is, in effect, a, in respect to the Patriot Act, he said there's basically a secret Patriot Act because uh, the interpretations differ so radically from what an ordinary person would understand from reading the statute. So Jeff Merkley, I thought, quite reasonably said, uh, you know, unless it would be deleterious to national security, the Justice Department should release redacted, declassified versions of major interpretations. Um, and yet this was shot down. It was hard to see. Why exactly? I think Saxby Chambliss suggested that somehow even after the Justice Department has reviewed these and cleansed them of anything that could uh, compromise sources and methods, that still somehow brilliant terrorists would would glean some valuable information that would allow them to evade evade surveillance. It wasn't really explained why we should think that's likely.
0: But but broadly, it seems like their argument is we can't let you know how— the FISA court is interpreting these statutes because then the terrorists would know? Is that basically right? Yeah. I mean the idea here is right.
1: Is that they don't – even if they don't know the technical details of how the NSA conducts surveillance, uh, if they know anything about what kind of questions the FISA court is being asked to answer, this would be information they could somehow use to evade surveillance. I mean, it's, it's, it's somewhat wacky frankly. It's, it's really impossible for me to imagine how – Information at that level could actually permit someone to evade uh, surveillance. But um, that was the argument that was made. Really, it was the fact that there were only four days to go that um, that carried the day on all of these things. Um, Ron Wyden had a couple of amendments that I thought were, again, uh, should be stunning that this is not um, something that's done already automatically. Uh, two proposals. One, um, just that the NSA should have to estimate How many Americans are being swept up in its surveillance dragnet? Um, Again, this is supposedly a surveillance program targeting foreigners. Because of the way the law is written, uh, that restriction is is, is actually extraordinarily weak. Um, There's almost certainly uh, many thousands, if not millions, of American communications swept up in the process, um, including very likely some entirely domestic ones. Um, But it was just claimed that uh, that it's impossible to produce that estimate. D- Diane Feinstein um, actually at one point said, "Well, there's a secret memorandum explaining the reason they can't do this." And so, if you want to know why this amendment, you know, is impossible, um, come to the secret room where you can read the secret memo alone, uh, you know, in this secure facility, and 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 learn the reason why uh, you should vote against this amendment. Um, an- another prohibiting what uh, Wyden has called backdoor searches, the NSA. Objects to this characterization but uh, the idea here is that um, collection is initially so broad even if it nominally has a foreign target that because so many American communications are going to be swapped up, um, if it's not supposed to be used to target – Americans, then once all those communications are sitting in the NSA's database, it shouldn't be possible to circumvent the spirit of the law by then plugging in an American's name or other identi- uh, identifying information to effectively, after the fact, use this vast database as a way of, kind of ex-post picking on Americans to spy on. Um, that, again, was shot down. It seems like... If as the supporters of this law want to insist it's really only about targeting foreigners, then consistent with that idea, they should welcome this kind of restriction that a warrant be obtained before a specific American's name is punched into the search. Um, Yet again, of course, that – was shot down. Uh, Pat Leahy wanted a shorter sunset, so perhaps we could have a more meaningful debate from uh, five years to three years. He wanted to shrink the the span of reauthorization, Uh, again, shot down as well. Uh, Rand Paul had, um, I think, a largely symbolic and fairly dramatic uh, amendment that would have asserted that the Fourth Amendment protects uh, third-party records. And this is in a lot of ways, very sensible, um, but would have been a, a, a huge sea change in American surveillance law. So it's not terribly surprising that that didn't pass. But
0: aren't we moving in that direction generally? I mean, we had uh, in the US v. Jones case, was it Sonia Sotomayor arguing that this third-party doctrine is something that needs to be, if not gotten rid of, at least looked at very seriously?
1: We've seen uh, Sonia Sotomayor uh, and a number of other uh, judges at at, uh, federal appellate courts um, beginning to push back against the so-called third-party doctrine, this doctrine that when you're internet service provider, your phone company has communications or other records about your uh, internet activity or phone activity, um, that you've waived your expectation of privacy in that data. Um, in the 21st century, given the way we live now, that this 30-plus-year-old uh, doctrine really uh, vitiates the Fourth Amendment, if you take it to its extreme. And so there's been a move to say, it's time to reconsider that, uh, or at least cabin it in. Um so that is the way the courts seem to eventually be leaning. But uh, you know, we didn't really have a, a even an appellate level uh, decision about whether the Fourth Amendment protects email. Um, you know, a finding that, that it does in fact apply to at least some email uh, until 2010. So these these things move through the courts incredibly slowly. There's no reason to think um, that even if that's the way the courts want to go, it's somewhere that they're going to get soon. Um, and you know, the thing we heard again and again. Uh, in this debate was, one, um, that we've created this sort of phony urgency and so there's no time to seriously uh, consider any of these amendments and make changes, Uh, but also that we have this incredibly robust oversight uh, that that will prevent any problems, and uh, we know, of course, that uh, we've already found a, a series of issues where overcollection of totally domestic communications occurred. The FISA Court has ruled in one case that surveillance authorized by the law had in fact violated the Fourth Amendment; was uh, unreasonable in the language of the Fourth Amendment. And somewhat perversely, we had. Folks like Senator Saxby-Chambliss arguing that this just shows how well oversight works and that no further checks are necessary. Uh, There's sort of a catch-22 here. If you don't find uh, any misuse of the the authority, well, that just goes to show it's being used well and we don't need additional safeguards. And if they do find a misuse, then you assume that you've found it all uh, and and therefore uh, we don't need any additional safeguards. Uh, They also point out, well, most of the problems they found appear to be the result of error as opposed to malicious uh, abuse of the authority. Um, And this is something I've always thought of as the Stephen Glass problem. The uh, uh, fraudulent journalist Stephen Glass uh, published a a, a wide array of totally fabricated stories in the New Republic, which had a very notoriously rigorous fact-check process. And what they realized after the fact was the fact-check process was great at catching errors, um, but not that good at catching Deliberate fraud by people who understood how the fact check worked and could tailor their fabrications to avoid getting caught by the fact check by, for example, fabricating uh, backup sources for the fact checkers to look at. I think something very similar obtains with respect to intelligence oversight. um, People who are not trying to conceal uh, their misuse of the authority or their violation of the rules um, are easy to spot because they're not doing anything to hide their activity. Um, That's no guarantee that people who understand how the oversight works uh, might not uh, be able to evade uh, detection by those systems, especially given that the oversight really does seem to be focused at the collection stage, to say uh, whether interception is consistent with what's been authorized, Uh, and the trouble there is that the interception is so broad that a lot of collection of innocent communications is not a violation of the rules. Uh, what you really need to worry about is how that data is being searched and used after the fact. That's why I think Ron Wyden's amendment requiring a warrant for searches of the database to pick up American communications was so important. Um, and it's again very difficult if if you have a you know moderately savvy bad actor to spot that kind of uh, misuse. It certainly uh, would be nothing new historically if. People within the intelligence agencies decided that information obtained for legitimate intelligence reasons or at least picked up in the course of a legitimate intelligence investigation um, might also be mined for some illegitimate – Political person, uh, purpose. Notoriously, certain, uh, Richard Nixon practiced this, but presidents for decades, uh, you know, did this, and it's something that we should worry. You know, could happen again, uh, but no one really seems to be concerned about that. There, people did raise these concerns on the Senate floor, um, but there just doesn't seem to be a willingness to really go back and reconsider these sweeping authorities
0: that we've re- that
1: we've introduced in the last ten years.
0: Julian Sanchez is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at cato.org.